0: Hey guys, what's up everybody? Welcome back to Anything But Credible Podcast uh, bonus edition, I would say. Yeah. Duke's here. Got Keith with me. What's up, Keith? What up? Griff is out. He couldn't make it. We we, we did you know, we always say in the podcast, we want to hear from you guys, which we do. And we wanna what we say is when we come across cool stuff, we wanna share it. We wanna get into it and try and see if we wanna learn about it. We wanna share it to you guys. Well that happened. We're always talking about how we goes through these YouTube deep dives and across one I found one of the craziest, cooling looking sports I've ever seen. It's called korfball with a K. It's K O R F ball. Okay. Well, just so happens we did a little bit of digging, and we were able to get uh, had a conversation, which this episode you'll see in a minute with uh, or not I should say that you'll this episode that you'll hear in a minute with Carl Jürger, who is the president of the United States Korfball Federation. Man. When we talk about how we want to learn, we really want to learn, okay? And so, we, Keith, wh- what do you think, man? I mean, what do you think about korfball, man?
1: It is one of the coolest looking sports I've ever seen, and it looks like it's entertaining. I <laughs> it's mean, I those, would, I would go, I would pay money to watch this.
0: Oh, for sure, it's one of those European sports, right? We'll start it over there. That you don't really see, you know. It, we kind of note on it in in this uh, conversation that you'll hear, but it's kind of one of those sports that you don't know about. Until you see it on a platform like the Olympics. You know, like, like the first time you saw handball, I'm sure you were like, what is this? Oh, that? I was
1: hooked. Yeah. It, it, similar to corfball. Once look. I saw it, once you told me one night about it, you're like, go look this up, man. Immediately looked it up when I got home and wow, blew my mind.
0: Yeah, because what caught my attention was that it was kind of a mixture of some of the main sports that we have here in the US. I mean, it, it looks like basketball. And we hit all on this in the conversation. It looks like basketball. The ball that they're using kind of looks like soccer. You know, the court, it kind of looks like a basketball court, but not, you know, it's kind of like they're using soccer as far as substitution, kind of, basically. Yeah. Um. But it's totally different. It, it First of all, the first thing you notice, it's a co-ed sport, which is something that you just never see. Four guys and four girls on each side of the court. So that's eight people. So it's a total of 16 on the court at the same time. Right. I don't think so. Four and four and four and four?
1: Yes, 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 yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got to thinking about it a little too deep. And I was thinking the offensive side, well, there's only eight people on the offense. And yeah. Yeah.
0: Math, math is. Yeah. is, a, is a...
1: <laughs> yeah. But
0: listen, guys, we had a great conversation with Carl. He really broke down the sport for us, gave us a history, and then kind of told us where to go from here, especially with the 2021 games coming up, the World Games coming up in Birmingham Birmingham, Alabama. So that's that's dope. That's really dope. We're super excited to kind of dive into this sport, man. We were we were super excited to learn about it. We had a great conversation I thought and we want you guys to go and check it out. Corfball man. You can we want to plug before we get into it. It's it's uskorfball.org or you can go get some gear at korfballshop.com and that's corfball with a k. Man, Keith, you want to start a korfball league, man? Not 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 the easiest sport to find in the Midwest, but I think we could start balling, man.
1: I think so too, man. Yeah. I think we'll have a leg up on all the competition. Oh, for sure. So, we just
0: talked to the president.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll ball out.
0: <laughs> so, shout out to Carl for taking time out um and c- calling in all the way from North Carolina uh to come and come and break down cor- corf ball for us. So, everyone Without further ado, Carl Jurger. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Anything But Credible. We are on the phone today with Carl Yerger, all the way from Davidson College, sitting down with us to talk a little bit about Corfball. Carl, first of all, thank you for coming on, spending some time to get on the Anything But Credible podcast and talk to us tonight. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. So, Carl, basically what we're going to do, we we came across Corfball, and and we had some questions, and we figured we got to talk to somebody about this. Well, why not? Luckily, we got a hold of you, the president of the, the United States Corfball Federation. And uh, basically what we're going to do here is we're going to we kind of want to figure out what's going on with Corfball. Corfball, we, we got some questions for you. First of all, um, we're going to start off by basically get into Corfball, what it is, the rules, how to play it. And from there, we want to talk uh, about you and your history with Corfball, how, how it affected your life and how you got to the point now of being the president. Um, and then from there we want to figure out how we can play it and where we go in the future with this awesome sport. Uh, so first of all, I got to ask you, Carl, if somebody comes up to you and says, Carl, what is korfball?" What is the explanation that you give them?
2: That's a great question. I get ask this a lot. Um, uh, so korfball is, is a sport that was invented by a Dutch school teacher, uh, Nico Bruhausen, And, uh, it was a game that boys and girls could play in a playground together. And what makes korfball so cool is it's really the world's first mixed team sport. So what that means is that men and women play on the same team at the same time. And really, korfball is only played with men and women working together, uh, and that's really cool. So so how court ball works is you've got two goals, um, and they're kind of like baskets. In fact, the basket used to be made of wicker, um, but they're made of plastic now for reasons I'll get into later. Um, But the idea is to shoot this ball. It kind of looks like a soccer ball, but it's really a cork ball. It really says cork ball on it. They really do make them. um, It's the same size as a soccer ball, but it's about 40 grams heavier. And the object of the game is to shoot the ball into the goal. Um, All the goals are worth one point. Um, kind of the basic rules of the game, without getting too technical, is boys only defend boys, girls only defend girls. Interesting. Um, there's no dribbling, and there's two zones. There's an offensive zone and a defensive zone. Uh, and after every two goals, you switch. So if you were playing offense for for two goals, once those goals were scored, you then go to the defensive zone, and vice versa.
0: I actually, we, me and Keith are talking about this off-air. I, I, we, can we jump in and ask you a question about the... the the offense and defense subbing wise or switching wise,
1: I should say.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. Does it, does one team have to score twice or is it both teams just after two scores? It's
2: it's just after two scores. So it could be both uh, the same team scores twice or it could be one and one or doesn't matter.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh,
0: Sorry to interrupt. Keep going, Carl.
2: Oh, no problem. Um, in terms of timing and substitutions, think soccer, think European rules. So, uh, court ball is played. I think right now the international standard is two twenty-five minute halves, but that that has changed. There is now for international games a twenty-five second shot clock. Um, once you're in, you're, you're in, and once you're out, you're out. So um, you don't have substitutions like you might in basketball. You just, I think, I think there are three subs now for international games. Um, but the act changes and, and for local games, um, many many groups are a lot more liberal with the substitution rule. Um, but sort of once you're in you're in and once you're out you're out for for international matches.
0: So Carl, listen the whole reason I guess I think we last time we talked um, I, I kind of mentioned that when I was I was coming across courtball what struck my attention is um, that it was kind of a mixture. You, you kind of hit on this. Uh, a mixture between uh, the our, our, our main sports here in the U.S., where I would say the main thing, I would say, relates to basketball probably, just the overall look of it, if you were the first impression of it. Secondly, like you said, it, it looks like you're using a soccer ball. Um, right. And you said the substitutions are just like soccer. The third thing that's not necessarily – uh, found in the U.S., but the, what what I got out of it with the no passing and uh, kind of the overall rules from what I was seeing kind of uh, related or uh, resembled to me like uh, the Olympic handball that we might see, you know, on a Ale- is that yeah. is that close in any way or am I just completely in,
2: off in right sort now? of a way you kind of have that same sort of European feel and the teams that are the court is a Dutch sport so the Netherlands are the best team but kind of the usual suspect handball for the European team do play a role in court ball as well. Um, you also said something about you no know, passing. Well, it was definitely passing. It's really there's no dribbling, right? You can't you can't sort of bounce the ball and run. You definitely will be passing in right. court ball. Right. Uh, it's really it's really about passing. And the other sport, you probably don't get a lot of this in St. Louis, but the other sport that it really kind of resembles in a way is water polo. So uh-huh. if you think about sort of water polo on land, you have a lot of passing. Um, you've got a goal, you've got, you know, it's nifty passing. It's not so much about running in the same sort of way. So I think water polo might be another good analog, ultimate frisbee as well, because again, you're sort of passing and throwing, but, but handball, absolutely. Um, and the court surfaces kind of look the same. So if you watch a lot of videos, the court surface, the handball kind of looks like the court surface you might see on the internet. Uh, a Dutch korfball league
0: match. Yeah, that that, I, that that might be it. What what catches me is the, just the overall look of the court. Even though the korfball court, court, I don't know the measurements, but man, that thing that looks big compared to all of. Uh, I guess you get the first look. You, you think of basketball, but for me, being a basketball fan, that that korfball court, court looks much much wider. At least I know for sure. Then
2: it is. It's a bit bigger. Um, it's twenty meters by twenty meters. Um, in each zone so it's 40 meters by 20 meters okay um, so it's a bit bigger than basketball um so we you can be played in some smaller areas so um in certain locations right you may not have as much gym space so
0: right 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 okay so for everyone out there listening kind of get this picture right of what, what we're kind of describing here is you have two they call them course right but the, they're, they're, their poles and and how, how tall are these um, these corps?
2: The the are exactly three point five meters. So, um, so is that
0: like around like so around eleven like feet ish?
2: Eleven feet, yeah. Okay. So like if you're really good, you might be able to touch the bottom of the basket. Um, but you know they are quite tall, and and they're also set in from the back. So like in basketball, you're the goal is right at the end of the field of play. Well, in court ball, the, the pole is set a third of the way in of this 20 by 20 box. Mm. So you really have a lot of space to move around behind the basket.
1: Yeah. It kind of also reminded me of, uh, uh, lacrosse in a way with that kind of setup where you can run behind the goal and everything. And, uh, Mm But I have one question about the uh, defending. Um, I was just watching a, a rules tutorial on YouTube, and they said uh, you can't shoot the ball if you're being defended. I, I.
2: That's right. That's right. So there's this idea of the defended shot rule, although it doesn't come into play too much. Okay. But the idea is if you're essentially touching the shoulder of your opponent and actively defending, even if they're taller than you, that is considered defended. Now, generally, if they can do that, they can basically block the ball. And so, you know, they're going to defend it anyway. Um, but that is a technical rule that does come up from time to time. Um, and what it does is it takes a little bit of the height advantage away from some players. So you can't have a really tall person to sort of dominate. Oh, I've got the ball above everybody else. So I'm going to change the
1: Okay, um, I, I, so I totally I get that rule now and why it's in place. That makes perfect sense to me.
0: I mean, that's got to be why, like, if you were not a court ball fan, like, to to the to the audience, I mean, that's why, you, it's got to be why you would see, which I, I kind of wanted to bring into some of the techniques of the game. And to me, being a basketball guy, it looks like a lot of, um, and maybe you can dive into the teachings of, of court ball or the fundamentals, maybe it looked like everyone right. to me was doing it, was where um, to kind of get that space, even tall or even the taller guys would do kind of a... I want to call it, for my basketball fans out there, kind of a Dirk Nowinski, one-legged fadeaway shot.
2: Yeah. Is that a normal? Yeah, very a, much. Okay. Yes, the fadeaway is a very normal kind of set shot for core ball because you have to get away from your opponent and you don't have very many sets to take. So the fadeaway is really one of the ways to get a bit of space to score. Um, another thing that you can do is well, you can't really do a layup because well, there are a couple different issues of a layup. Number one, you don't have a backboard, so the way that you shoot is going to be a bit different. Right. Uh, so what you what what it's called in court ball is called a running in shot. So essentially, the idea is that you have someone else that has the ball near the post generally, and you're going to try to beat your defender. And if you can kind of run past them, that other person passes you the ball. Hopefully. That person is of the opposite gender because what that would mean then is that the person guarding them won't be able to guard you. Uh And then you get the ball and you can take one or two steps. You can catch the ball in the air and take your one or two steps and then use two hands to sort of lay the ball in the basket.
1: Interesting. I was just about to ask, if you could, can you dunk has ball. anyone ever
0: dunked I have to, there has to be somebody, right?
2: Yeah. I think there's probably a video online of some really tall Dutch dude dunking uh a corf ball.
0: But if somebody but, if somebody was to dunk in a corf ball game, would it just be like, oh wow, like that just happened? One of those type of I things.
2: I think it would be a bit, oh wow, because <laughs> you can't really have a running start in the same sort of way that you would in basketball, because you only can have three steps of the ball. So it would be more like an alley oop.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what I was thinking. I think it would have to be an alley oop because you're already mid flight, and then wow, you catch it. Eleven feet—that'd yeah, be that would be, be rough. insane.
2: Yeah. Um, okay. So and the other issue is you don't have a breakaway either because you have this offensive and defensive zones. It's yeah. not like people can break away and you're kind of by yourself.
0: True. So you You're all he. You basically, if that was to happen, you'd almost always be guarded in some fashion.
2: That's right. That's right.
0: So I just kind of want to paint a picture before we. we because I have a couple more questions as far as the rules um, go. But I just kind of want to paint a picture to, to everyone out there that, you know, if if you were to look it up right now, you know, you'd see these two cores, these two poles on, on each end. You'd see four, well, eight people on each side. But you'd also see um, there is like a, a, a little, I think it's a full circle in front and a, a kind of a, a white longer circle in the back. I thought of, of it as pole. like a
1: Venn diagram. I think they overlapped. With the corp oh. in the middle, I think. Really? Carl, correct me on that if I'm wrong.
2: That's that's basically right. So there's two things going on there. Um, and so the one thing that's going on there is you have something, if you commit a penalty. So if you impede a scoring chance um, or you do some heavy infringement like if I'm a boy defending a girl anywhere in the court, that's a penalty. Oh. And so you have to take a shot two and a half meters from the post, Um, and there's a little spot, that's the penalty spot, and you shoot behind that spot. Um, Now everyone else, when you shoot that, has to be more than 2.5 meters away from you, and 2.5 meters away from the post. So you kinda have the intersection of these two circular regions, and that's that oval that you might see on a court. Um, And then for other, go ahead.
0: I'm sorry, I was just gonna say, when I, so for me, being a basketball guy, when I see those those kind of circles, the first thing I think of is in basketball. You know, if you stay in there too long, three seconds or too too uh, on defense too long, you know, in the NBA, you get a defense a technical. Um, is there any kind of time limit for the, to be in that area, either of those areas, or you know, is there a, too many people no, at not. the same time, or it's just is, is it literally just for the peer, uh, the penalties?
2: It's for the penalty, and it's for this other thing called a free pass. Oh, okay. So so. If it's not a penalty infringement, if it's a later infringement, you might do what's called a free pass. And so the idea with the free pass is you can't take a direct shot at the basket, but you essentially have, um, you, can, you can run a set play where you have a person who has the ball and they can hold it and pass it to one of their teammates who are outside of this circle what usually happens is they quick pass it to their teammate. The teammate basically taps the ball back to them, and then they shoot and try to score. And the good players can maybe make this more than 50% of the time. If we made it more than 50% of the time in the U.S., that would be a miracle. But uh, in other countries, uh, they have some specialists, maybe one in each of the two divisions, who practice taking this set shot a lot.
0: And what would you say? Well, uh, so you said over fifty percent. I mean, you know, in basketball, if you're shooting, let's 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 if we compare it to like a free throw, maybe, um, you know, over seventy percent is you know you're you're slightly going above average, probably. Like, what if you could just ballpark guess? What do you what would you say percentage wise would be? You're you're in the clear.
2: Uh, well, I mean, it depends on the level of competition. If you were in the Dutch Corfball league, I would say maybe. Maybe sixty percent would go in. Wow. Maybe around sixty percent you to be doing well. So even so, though,
0: even wow. though it seems, cl- you know, even though it, from from looking at it, it seems close, but man, it, with no backboard or anything.
1: It, and, well, yeah. Plus, you got to pass it, get the ball back, and, and then, then go, yeah, and then shoot. So. and there's
2: people. As soon as you pass the ball, other people can come after you. It's not like it's a free shot exactly. It's a quick free shot. Okay. So as soon as you, the ball moves from that two and a half meters. Um, your defender is coming after you. So you really have to shoot that ball pretty quickly.
0: Right. Okay. Uh, so the other kind of main, um, I would say, technique uh, as f- when it comes to court ball, m- one of my main questions is the one of the first things I noticed when watching was, obviously, since there's, there's no dribbling, you said it's all about movement, it's all about passing. But I see these guys and girls out there taking these in- – they look like incredibly far shots to me. Um, but, and I said, as I said, they were doing the fadeaway. But to me, what I noticed being a basketball guy is the actual hand placement on the balls. It looked like uh, everyone was yeah. shooting two-handed kind of thumbs in. And then I noticed, it, you know, in basketball, they call it, some people would like to call it, like, put your hand in the cookie jar, um, where you leave your hand up that, that you want that follow through. And when, when I noticed that the two-handed follow through seemed to each hand kind of go... Outwards, the other way. Is this a normal, I mean, is there, is, is there a normal fundamental shooting technique?
2: The Dutch would say that that is the normal fundamental shooting technique. Okay. Because that's really the only handball sport that they play. And so they're taught, and, and for good reason, they're taught to shoot this sort of two-handed set shot idea where you have both hands um, behind the ball kind of in a W and you sort of push up and you really just extend your arms out. And and that's important because, well, the basket's higher, and the arc is higher, too. You get a bit better uh, action on the ball if you shoot it with a higher arc. So that's right. Um, what's interesting in the United States is that a lot of people come to core ball with a lot of experience playing basketball or some other sport where they throw stuff. And so now the question becomes well is that the best way to shoot for americans or not and that that's an open question that we like to discuss a
0: lot Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of like um it's kind of like when it comes to basketball you know if the guy if the guy or girl has a kind of crazy jump shot but it goes in is it kind of one of those things where like well you know it's going in
2: it is kind of like that and so, you know, if someone grew up playing basketball and they've spent 10, 15 years shooting in a certain way and they're relatively effective with it, do I really want to exchange that?
0: Yeah, right. So, safe to say, as far as the United States korfball, ball, it's not crazy to see somebody out there shooting kind of the classic one-handed uh, one-handed under the ball, offhand on the side kind of guiding it basketball cl- classic basketball shot
2: that's right you see a little bit of everything with with u.s. court ball
0: players. yeah i gotta be honest when i first started watching i really i, I was telling keith off air i one of the games i just watched just got done watching it was um i want to say it was either netherlands or denmark maybe or somewhere like that that uh they're playing the chinese uh team and i really expected somebody to kind of do like a like a basketball, like an old school Kareem hook shot or something, you know, cause they, they were so close, but then obviously being guarded, it, it doesn't, that's what makes the sport interesting to me is because these guys were big um, on the, on the Netherlands and they're playing these, these short, sh- much shorter Chinese uh, players, but they couldn't, they were so close to the court, but they couldn't actually score because, or sh- even shoot because they were, you know, technically being guarded. So it really that's right makes all the movement and passing come into play, which is something in, I feel like in our in our the main sports and uh, main American sports that is not that is not like a. I don't even know how to say. It. I mean, that's not a thing, really. I mean, what's not really? I mean, where you can get out of traffic by of yourself. It's
2: like the Princeton offense, right? You think about the Princeton offense. And, that's a good point. Basketball, yeah. where you have a lot of screens and a lot of passing. You might have something like that, or even the Warriors now. Yeah, uh, yeah. there's a lot a lot of extra passing, scoring for distance. So, I like. Well, I like the Warriors for multiple reasons, but... Um,
0: <laughs> I bet you do.
2: Yeah, I'm contractually obligated to root for <laughs> Stephen Curry. That's, that's part of my job. I think that's but, completely um, fair. But the passing and the shooting uh, is really appealing to me.
0: Yeah, well, even th- th- that's what got me into the corf ball is because even then, if Steph gets, you know, e- with the passing movement, if he gets into a little bit of bind, he can just dribble his way out. Whereas in corf ball... Right. That is not an option at all. You have to rely on your teammates helping you out, which is, uh, and I love that. And, and I mean, it's also crazy. The first thing that people are going to notice, too, is we've already hit on this, but the co-ed factor, having eight people on the court or on each side of the court, you know, I mean, uh, man, what what a it just instantly grabbed my attention. I was like, what is this? I have to find out what is happening here. So I guess that it's,
2: it's really me, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I guess that can kind of segue us into you. I, I mean, me and Keith were talking. We're super interested to find out your history with the sport, how you got into it, and how you kept going, and how did you got to this position being the president of the uh, USKF. You know that you are now.
2: Well, that's great. So um, I grew up playing baseball, and then I played tennis, and I I went to Harvey Mike College as an undergraduate out in California, it's one of the Claremont Colleges. And I played varsity tennis there. Um, and when I was there, I was lucky enough to get a scholarship to at Cambridge for a year. Um, and when I was at Cambridge, um, I played tennis and that was really cool. And I got to play on grass courts and lots of, lots of fun venues. But um, I wanted to try something different. And um, I saw on the internet there was this thing called core And I said, wow, that seems really interesting. Uh, I like playing basketball. And you know, one of my regrets was I never never played basketball in high school. I I feel like if I had to do high school over again, I would have tried out for the basketball. <laughs> um, but I never did. And so, oh, let me try this core fall. It seems interesting. It seems a lot of fun. You know, varsity sports in America are pretty serious. I mean, we were ranked in the top five in Division three, so okay. it was similar to being a Division one experience. And so I said, all right, let's give court ball a try. And so I just sort of show up. Uh, and maybe we had maybe 20 or 30 folks there that first practice. Um, and it's corkball, right? So it doesn't necessarily get top billing in terms of court hours. So I think we had practice <laughs> that night between 9 and 11 p.m. I think huh. that was the only time we could get to jam. <laughs> uh, and mean... so here we are. We're playing. We, we're learning this game. From some Australian guy, uh, his name was Lee Matthews. I'll give a shout out to him. He's you now back in Australia. Shout out. Uh, and and so we're playing this game, core ball. We teach the rules, and and it's really fascinating because it takes it takes a bit of thinking in order to play. It's not just all about athleticism. You have to know who to pass it to. You have to know when to make your cuts and when not to. Um, and it was really fun. We, you know, I, I, started on the second team, um, the first month or so I was there and then started to figure things out. But I remember my first match where we were playing against maybe 50 and 60 year olds and they were taking us to school. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't that they were faster than us or quicker than us, but they just knew how to move and they knew how to pass. And they knew how to work together. They also knew all the rules that kind of helps. Uh, yeah, um, but it's like uh, playing the old uh,
0: why like yeah exactly
2: yeah yeah it was kind of like one of those deals and so um so that was an interesting experience but it made you realize that okay well, we don't have to run around the court the entire time we can really just make sharp cuts and clever passes some of the time and that's really what what pays dividends in court ball so um I continued there at Cambridge, and I wound up being on the first team, and one of the cool things at Cambridge is there's this big rivalry with Oxford, yeah. and there's a, there's a rivalry with everything. So <laughs> you know, I played on the second tennis team there, so I played a varsity match with Oxford in tennis, but there was also a court ball varsity match, of course. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, Cambridge versus Oxford, and uh, we lost, I think it was 10-7 or 10-8, but it was really fun. Uh, and there was some big formal dinner um, afterwards. And there's a national tournament as well. So there's like a British student courtball association. So there were maybe 20 colleges and universities in the UK huh. that have courtball teams. So it was really, you know, a legitimate college activity. And so there was a national tournament. We went for a weekend. There's also a local league in Cambridge. So they were maybe, Twelve teams and two divisions, so there was maybe six six teams in the first division and six teams in the second division, and we were trying not to get relegated out of the first division. So it's kind of like other European sports; it's the same sort of relegation promotion deal. Mm -hmm. So there really was a lot of corkball going on, and it was great fun. Um, Unfortunately, I was only there for a year, so um, I got connected with the U.S. ball folks. I was really lucky. That summer, there was a tournament called the Commonwealth Games and Friends Tournament. And they I don't think they've ever had it again. But that summer, they had this international football tournament where they got um, teams from the Commonwealth and then other teams that were, were represented enough to have a team. And so we, the United States had a team. And so we played in this tournament uh, over in London over the course of maybe three or four days got to meet a lot of interesting people, and that's where I linked up with folks for the U.S. Corp. Federation. Um, so I came back to the U.S., did grad school, and now I'm a professor at Davidson College. And um, a lot of the people that have formed the leadership of the U.S. CAF actually picked up Corp. Abroad. Uh-huh. Uh, our former president, David Warren, uh, lived in Germany, and he was like a, a media specialist for the military, and he was he would live on bases around the world and do library work and other sorts of things and, you know, pick up korfball. Now, he learned korfball in the 80s at, oh, I hope I'm right with this, uh, Oral Roberts University. Okay. I think that's yep. right. Um, and they had a team that became part of the U.S. team at the time, and they went to the World Championships, they went to the World Games, and so there was a bit of of a hotbed of American cork in maybe the mid to late 80s. But then it sort of fizzled out a bit. Um, and so I got involved about the time when things were still fizzling, and Dave was approaching 50, Dave Warren, and still playing on the U.S. team.
0: So was that so, like uh, late, we, late 80s, did you say, when you got into it?
2: Yeah, that's when he was in college, right? But then this Commonwealth tournament that he still played for us, I mean, he was definitely in his 40s, possibly. Forties, and he's playing against people half his age on other international teams. <laughs> so um, he was one of the crafty older guys um, on on our squad, and he did a great job. Uh, so then, so then I got involved with the board, and we've had little hotbeds of football in the U.S. So there was a group from Hope College in Holland, Michigan. What a surprise, Holland, Michigan! Yeah, <laughs> um, right. and. And so, they had a team for a number of years, and we sent a team to the World Championships again in two thousand nine. Um, and then there was a guy; his name was Louis Bourgeois, and he actually went to St Andrews University in the UK for a gap year before he started college. Fell in love with court ball, and then started a club at Hamilton College um, in upstate New York. And so then we had a court ball group there. Um, and we had a national tournament there once a few years ago. Um, and, and so we have these little pockets of core ball that, that come up and come down. But the trick is that a lot of the international tournaments, right, the world championships are two weeks in October. Um, and that's, that's tricky to do when you have a job. You know, it's hard <laughs> yeah. to give up two weeks in October when you tell your boss hey, I'm going to play this korfball tournament. And, you know, maybe in the Netherlands that will fly, but with a name like corkball, I mean, people kind of chuck a little bit when you say it. Right, and and right. I get comments like, well, with a name like ball, how can you be serious? I mean, it's not even a real sport. Well, it is, and it's actually really fun, and I hope you can try it. But it's, uh, it's really interesting.
0: So, so, keep going. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: So, so moving to today, um, sort of our, our main focus is Birmingham, Alabama right now. Um, and that's important because in 2021, the World Games are coming to Birmingham. Okay. And so the World Games are for basically the Olympics, for all the sports that aren't Olympic-level sports. So there's maybe 40 or so different sports, including corkball, that's going to be played at the World Games.
0: I'm sorry. Can you can you repeat that? Can you repeat that last sentence?
2: Sure. So there's going to be maybe 40 or so sports that are going to be played in Birmingham, Alabama, as part of the World Game, and court ball is one of those sports. So we're hoping to get a team in the for U- for U.S. court ball to be in the World Game in Birmingham in 2021.
0: I'm trying to picture. I I, I had to repeat that because. I, I thought you said 40, but I wasn't sure. I mean, that, that's that's a lot going on.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a very interesting list of teams. I and mean, if you go and look at, at the World Games roster of things, I mean, there are things like rugby, ultimate frisbee. I think cricket is in there. Tug of War is one of the sports, I'm pretty oh, sure. As oh, well.
1: wow. Uh,
2: Bowling, um, so some other sports that you know aren't in the Olympics, but sports that you've seen. Uh, Keith, I think golf used to be in the World Games before it became an Olympic sport.
0: Keith, I think we're gonna have to. I think we're gonna have to take a road trip, man. Yeah, I that mean, sounds awesome. I, I, I don't think I can miss that. I, seriously. Yeah. You down to go.
1: Yeah, let's do
0: this. Twenty twenty one, man. So, uh, Carl, how? So, what is this? Is it? what's the span between the world games is it four years every
2: four years okay it's every four years and so what they do is they alternate in court it's every two years between the world championship and the world game ah so um so there's a world game that i think already happened this year um netherlands win because they always win um it's their sport um (laughs) But they, uh, they really are trying. So one of their hopes is to make core an Olympic sport. And because of that, they need more competition. They need more countries to participate and to have top-level teams. So um, last summer in Birmingham, um, they sent over um, one of the former Dutch national team coaches, um, this guy, Andre, who is like the player of the decade. Oh. Um, for for the Netherlands in like the two thousands or something, and a couple other top Dutch players do a demonstration in Birmingham, and I was lucky enough to be there for that week um, as sort of a kickoff to trying to spark court ball in Birmingham, Alabama.
0: So, is there, as far as the World Games and stuff like that, like on the on a professional level? I mean, is there a ranking uh, uh, like uh, of the co- country ranking? I mean, are is the U S e- anywhere close to that ranking list? I mean,
2: in terms of court ball or just in general, in court ball, in court ball, I think our current rank and we're, we're somewhat delinquent in that. I think we're somewhere in the thirties or forties. Okay. So we've got a ways to go. And, and part of that really is about, well, transportation to these national terms. Right. And getting, getting a team together because it's, It's one thing to play court ball when we have a lot of PE teachers who do court ball in their gym class, but that may be all they want to do. And then there might be people that play court ball from time to time or people that would like to take part in one of these international events. But then there's the practical consideration that for whatever reason, a lot of the people that play court ball are in the education industry in some way Mm. and taking two weeks off in October for people who are teachers, is not the easiest thing to do.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, why couldn't they push that to summer break? That'd be great.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's a great question. And so one thing that the, the IKF, the IKF is the International Courtball Federation. That's sort of the international governing body. One thing that they've been experimenting with is this format of beach football.
0: So Ooh. four on, four, I
2: think it's four on four ball. um One one post on the beach and um, play with a shorter amount of time and smaller numbers of people. They, they had this past year, this first open European um, beach court ball tournament, And they invited other countries as well. um, Not in Europe to play, but again, it's this issue of traveling. It was like August 20th, which was the first week of the semester. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, They love the school year.
2: (laughs) Yeah. They, they just, they like to find good days for it. Um, but it went really well. And so one pipe dream that we have in the U.S. is to host this in Los Angeles. So a number of our board members live in the L.A. area. Uh, Steve Barker was a former um, Great Britain, I think, under under 16, under 19 coach. And he also runs this Corfball School of Excellence program. Oh. Uh, he did that for many years in the U.K. Now he lives in the L.A. area and is hoping to get Corfball re-energized in the LA area. And then we also have two former national team players, uh, uh, Erica and Amanda Guaro. And they, they're both PE teachers in I think the LA school district or one of the school districts in the LA area. And so they coach lots of teams, but they love court ball. So there's really a lot of people who have a interest in court ball in the LA area. And, you know, if we can attract European players to come to Los Angeles for a week, I mean, that's that's an easy sell. I was was going to
0: say, I don't think that'd be too hard. Right, I think that's very possible, yeah.
2: Um, And then I guess the Olympics coming to LA as well is another draw that, okay, well, we've got 2021 for the World Games, and now we're thinking Olympics 2028. And, okay, maybe there's too many players for court ball to ever be considered to be in the Olympics, because you know the, the the IOC wants to limit the number of participants, but maybe a beach event might bring a bit more interest because well they already have a beach venue for beach volleyball. Well, maybe you know if they need more events on the beach, they could also do beach courtball.
0: It's a great idea. I mean, it makes sense. I I, I after watching, I mean, I. I, I would for sure watch beef, beef, beach korfball ball for sure. Keith, you think we should, do you want to move out to L.A. and get, I mean, I would love to live the beach life and we could just start a league or something. That'd be perfect. So, Carl, this kind of transitions to that last point is like, okay, so other than the beach idea and, and kind of getting that implemented as far as away from the beach, I mean, you know, Keith and I sitting here in St. Louis in the in the middle of the of the country basically where for guys like us, I mean, where do we go from here? How can we get a hold of course ball? What, what can be done to kind of spread this and make this, you know, a game, a sport that every, that, you know, people, that's are a great playing. question.
2: That's a great question. So the biggest challenge that people in the United States have, and we have lots of challenges, but the biggest challenge is getting equipment, right? Because you've got, You've got this pole set up. You can't go to the sporting goods store and say, I want to buy a court ball set. <laughs> Right? It just doesn't work that way. That's not even true in the Netherlands. I did in the Netherlands, and I was always hoping, let me go to the sporting goods store and find like a court ball or a court ball goal or court ball shoes. And it's, it's a very institutional sort of thing. Over 100,000 people play in the Netherlands, but wow. it's all done through court ball clubs. Wow. So it's actually. The the League matches are televised. The final is this big event in, I think it's in Ahoy Stadium in Rotterdam. Wow. And, you know, you could see 10 or 15,000 people watching the korfball League final live. Uh, it's a big deal. But they don't sell that sort of equipment there. And so that was kind of a downer. I could buy a korfball in the sporting goods store. Nope. Doesn't work that way. <laughs> uh, so in the U.S., this is actually a really good time. For many years, um, there was really no source of getting equipment aside from getting it on a boat from Holland, right, that you have to order it, and the shipping costs more than the equipment itself. Yeah. That's Um, great. So, that was a challenge. We do have a supplier that has a limited supply of, of corkball equipment. His name is Steve Barker, he's the same guy that does the corkball school of excellence. Okay. Um, and his website is Corfallshop.com. and you can get, you can get posts and baskets. Um, I think each post you normally get two, um, when you order, uh, pre shipping, I think it runs you between maybe 850 or $900 for a pair of these. Um, but if you just wanted one in your backyard, right, you could do that for half the price.
1: Okay. Yeah. Also, do. I don't think that would blow a gym teacher's budget either if they just ordered that. So,
2: no. And a lot of a lot of the customers and people that reach out to us are gym teachers, and they order. They tend to order two or four, and then they just have them. Um, core balls. Um, they run for about um, maybe forty to fifty dollars, depending upon the style of ball, but they're relatively affordable. Yeah. Um, and so if you wanted to just sort of mess around with a court, ball, you just order a court ball and those are easily shippable. That's really easy. And, and just practice on any hoop you have. So one thing that we suggest to people who may not have the funds to purchase court ball equipment right away is you can play on a basketball court with this court ball rules. So things will be a little bit different, uh, because you've got that backboard, but you know, you can kind of play the game, um, uh, with just having a court ball, and you know, drum up some interest, try some things out, and then as as you go, you can you can get a post system, and and we'd love to just contact us, contact Steve, um, contact us at the U.S. Corfball Ball Federation. Uh, we have a website, uscourtball.org, u s k o r f b a l l dot and we can link you up with resources in terms of uh, getting equipment because we do have a supply of equipment and we want to see as many people play ball as possible.
0: Yeah. It's a great idea actually about the basketball court. I didn't even think about that. It's just kind of as as far as like maybe even just a starting point, just kind of, you know, maybe eliminating going behind the basket, obviously, but just using the actual hoop as as somewhat of a, in front of the court, you know, in front of the court action. I mean, that's a, that's a great idea. Anybody can do that. I mean, we, there's court basketball courts all over the place. Um,
2: and if, I, I really and if love you that. don't want to get, a, if you don't want to get a court ball, get a kid-sized basketball. The sort of kid-sized basketballs are about the size of the court ball, oh, and you can okay. pick up that at any Walmart for ten bucks. So, um, that's that's another way. If you just really want to get started, just try it out and see what it would feel like. That's that's a really easy way to get started.
0: So, kind of side question, but you mentioned it when you were talking about. The being so popular in the Netherlands and stuff, whatnot, are there are there designated courtball shoes? I mean, are they? I'm kind of like there are. That is a in. great
2: question. And <laughs> Asics Asics actually sells a courtball shoe. <laughs> Asics. Um, and it used to be called the Dell Crossover. Oh. Um, and what what's interesting though, and I learned about this because you know I'm the crazy American that wants to work out the money to buy courtball shoes. Uh, that ASIC sells a version of shell crossovers, or at least they did a few years ago, in the U.S., oh. but they weren't made to the same specifications as the international shell crossover.
0: Mm, they're cheaping, us, cheaping out on us.
2: Well, I think the support was different. Um, mm-hmm. But generally, when I play court ball, I play a lot of tennis, so I have a lot of tennis shoes, and that's generally what I play in. But other people like a little more ankle support, and they would play with basketball shoes or volleyball shoes, things like that.
0: Yeah, that's that why the generally. first thing that came in my mind was was playing on basketball shoes. But I mean, it looked like everyone was that I saw was wearing some kind of low top. So I, I was, I was like, now oh, there's whatever.
2: also outdoor court ball. Oh, so in oh. the summer, in the summer, there's outdoor court ball. Um, so there are. So one of the cool things um, in Europe is they have these summer tournaments. So I was over in England a few years ago doing research over the summer. And so I would do math Monday through Friday. And then I would, like, email some random people and get on a scratch team and play court ball on the weekend. It's like some random park somewhere in England um, on a Saturday and a Sunday. And there you might want to use turf shoes. So kind of like these, maybe not really deep cleats, but kind of like the, the turf shoes you yeah. might play on after turf. turf. Right. Those uh- work really well uh, for outdoor court ball.
0: Yeah, cool. I, uh, <laughs> you never know. I mean, uh, being a, I'm a, a little bit of a sneaker guy, so I was like, I, they have to. They just have to. It just makes sense. Um, so okay, so Carl, listen, we got the 2021 World Games coming up. Okay, we got, uh, you know, everyone out there, go out to uscorfball. That's with a K. uscorfball.org, or to get some some gear and some uh, some of the equipment. Corfballshop.com was the other website, correct?
2: Yes, Corfballshop.com.
0: Well, listen, Carl, we we really appreciate you sitting down and kind of breaking it down for us. We, I mean, I, I got to try and we got here in the middle of the country. We got to Keith, We got to try and get something going, man. We got to get. We got to get everybody intro. Not even only introduced to it, but we got to start getting. I mean, this is a game that every we should be playing. This you. We were sitting down here watching. Watching the clips before we got on air, and we were just sitting here like, we "Why def- is this not popular?" We should definitely yeah. be playing this game. Yeah, it's basically it's
2: a lifetime sport. It's a lifetime sport in Holland. there are court ball clubs. That's all they do is they have court ball, and you know they have their gym. They have a bar because it's, it's Europe. Because they have a bar at the court ball club, <laughs> um, and they have court ball teams from juniors to seniors. And mean, you to play court ball in Holland between you know five and seventy five. And you could find a team at your skill level.
0: Wow. We should, yeah, we can find, that sounds like a blast. If we can find yeah. any game that we we can play into the sixty like an an athletic game like that you can play into the sixties. Yeah, why why wouldn't you? I mean, that sounds amazing.
2: Uh, Carl, well, listen. The contact oh, level, sorry, the contact level in korfball is a lot less than basketball. So, so the way the games are called, uh, it's a lot more controlled contact. So you're you don't get as many elbows and injuries like that so it's it's a relatively safe sport
0: right and you're not you're not technically you're not shooting when guarded so they kind of you know to try and at least eliminate at least body contact I mean yeah it's it's a sport one of the few sports that we know of where the body you know you you can actually play without the body you know obviously you have your own physical limitations breaking down wise but as far as you know opponent contact it's one of the few sports where uh very at a, at a
1: minimum level. Yeah, you're not going to get a concussion. Nothing really well, terrible is going to happen. I mean, too. sure,
0: anything's possible, right? Yeah. But like the way that the rules are set up and the game is played, it, it's set to not, you know, you're not going to be like Gordon Hayward and, and, well, I guess Gordon Hayward broke his ankle last night, but uh, that's, he just fell on it wrong, right? But he did get a little contact in the air. So we'll try and, uh, yeah, the uh, corp ball, the way that it's set up, you know, something that, like we said, you can play, like you said, a lifetime sport. That's a perfect way to say it.
2: And when you watch the videos they just have so much fun they just have so much fun you see them passing the ball it's just the ball and it looks like you're having
0: a ball oh there's no there's no doubt about that I mean that's literally the reason I got a hold of you because I, I randomly came across it on YouTube and I, I I everyone it looked so awesome and everyone looked like they' were having such a great time and then I went moved up to the competitive clips and I was like oh I I, I gotta figure out what, what's happening here so Carl before we let you go um, anything anything as far as uh, that you'd like to to say before we get out of here, any last uh, statement? If or you're anything?
2: interested in playing korfball, contact us. We'd love to get you linked in. There are people across the country that are looking to start korfball groups. You know, maybe maybe someone that grew up in Europe and played korfball growing up, but doesn't have maybe interested people right now. But if you're interested, they would love to talk to you. Um, also, what a lot of us in the USKF do is if you have a group of people that want to get play court ball contact us we're willing to drive multiple hours to see you so we have board members scattered across the country and um, we'd love to help you get started so please don't hesitate if you have questions about the game um, or would like to know more just send us an email and we'll be in touch
0: definitely Well, Carl. Thank you so much for coming on, talking to us, breaking down Corfball, the whole world, everything. We really appreciate it. I'm, we're going to keep watching. We're going to keep our eyes on this, especially going into 2021. No doubt about it, man. Thank you so much, bro.
2: Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun.
0: We appreciate you guys checking in with us. This is the Anything But Credible podcast. We'll see you next week.